Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler, a very sad, sad Chris Marler, and I'm kind of here. First and most important question, how much in and out did you have to cope with Bama's loss? I set the over-under at two and a half double-doubles and two orders of fries. So I was with somebody else, I want to preface it with that. But remember I told you you're really good at these over-unders. Mm-hmm. It was a $40 order. I also got a t-shirt. Wow. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, well, we was with the Club Sid fan. We were celebrating. But it was exactly two double-doubles, two fries, and I got an extra cheeseburger for my tears. Okay, so, so a lot. I'm going to say that that's a pretty good spot-on over-under with that. You, of course, are, are in California. You were in California for this game. You got to witness the... Destruction that nobody saw coming. I, I that's I, I, yeah, don't, I don't know. Like we're, we have so much stuff to get to today. Um, stuff that we're going to go over within the game. Key moments that maybe turn that game. Um, some narratives that we've seen. Some that we want to squash. Some that we want to build on. Some bigger picture things that have to do with yeah. this overall legacy that Bama has and that Clemson has as well. But holy cow, let's just, I want to run through some of the bullet points real quick just to kind of put this all in perspective before I let before I let the leash off and before I yeah, let the dog right. leave the cage. Also, shout out to Connor for wearing his Cubs World Series champion hat on right now, like a total a-hole. I actually didn't even think of that. I totally didn't mm-hmm. even think of that. Um, Your subconscious did. Yeah, it probably did. Um, I'm, I'm, as a Chicago sports fan, it's, it's rough right now. Um, anyways, so this is the worst loss ever by Alabama in the Nick Saban era. 14 was the previous worst. We knew that. This ends up being a 28-point loss to Clemson. Um, question for you. I'm curious if you know this. Who was the last team to beat Nick Saban by 21 points? To beat Nick Saban? Yeah. I don't know. The Buffalo Bills. Oh, Bama. 2000, oh, it's Buffalo Bills. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Buffalo Bills, 2006. Nice. <laughs> um, so, so Bama doesn't score a touchdown in this game after the first quarter. This was the most prolific offense in school history. And it was the first time in the Saban era that uh, he faced a Power 5 team that Bama did not have a sack or a forced turnover. That Clemson offensive line, man. They weren't that good. That's what everyone told me going into it. Wow. We'll get to it later. Go on. It was... So, I, and I think... Okay, so one of the things that... One of the narratives that I want to... That I want to kind of pick your brain on. I saw some people throwing around the the total yards stat saying, oh, well, the total yards was close, so it wasn't that big of a blowout because Clemson only beat Bama by 41 total yards. Um, by the way, Bama was up, I think it was 227 to 86 in total yards after the first quarter. So essentially... There was 220 to 80, 86, and all of that was on one drive that was two plays and on third and 14. Right. So anybody holding on to that notion that this game wasn't a total beatdown, just get rid of it because... You're an idiot. It, it was a demolition. It was a 28-point game that, quite frankly, could have been worse had they kept a foot on the gas at the very end. And Bama just did not look like anything we have ever seen in the Saban era. I am letting the leash off of you right now. Go. I'm gonna. I'm so mad at the internet. First off, <laughs> second off, um, this like Bama fans need to listen up. Everyone that's a pa- there's so many new Clemson fans that I found out from last night. That was really that was really cool for them to experience that win, um, living vicariously through a team that the one team that could beat Alabama. Um, Bama got their ass kicked. Bama got beat. 
by a better team, by a really good team. And they, Bama could not get out of their own way. I don't know what save. I've never seen a saving coach like that. The decisions that continuously went on in the game were terrible. Like the, I'm not trying to question. I don't. I don't be that guy being like, "Should run the ball or any of that." But like, when Najee Harris gets you down to the one yard line, why don't you keep Najee Harris in for a second? And like, he didn't play for the next two drives. And then what ended up happening on that drive? That at that point it was fourteen to thirteen. He gets down to the one yard line. You get another pre snap penalty from Jedrick Wills. Like, it's just like in the Oklahoma game. Key point in that we game. Up, it was everything. Everything that we couldn't do, we did repeatedly. Two of throwing the pick six. What? And then. You kind of get back to neutral, can't make another mistake like that. That the second interception was inexcusable. It was it was in triple coverage, and he he already had checked down pre-snap like he knew what the coverage was supposed to be. I thought it was a um, he thought they sh- they showed on the replay. It was um, <coughs> Herb Street had a great way of summing this up. It was he anticipated the coverage instead of reading the coverage. He thought it was going to be right. man coverage. He thought he was going to have that little window over the top by the thirty yard line, and it ended up being you know the cornerback actually just dropped back and had Tua actually just sat yeah. sat patient. He had a wide open underneath receiver. And instead he goes to the Smith. place. Yeah. Instead he goes to the place over the top. He throws the pick. I'm glad that you brought that up because hey. that 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 kind of that kind of told the story a little bit for Tua. Tua I thought was spooked from him, from his mistakes, and I thought weird how he got rattled, huh? Uh, he he did. He might not be that mentally tough. Uh, you know, and we we took some heat for saying that he was soft physically and and, and mentally a little bit. I, I shouldn't say we. You said this, and I. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And it's and like I I totally we, we joke around a lot about it and like I, I I don't care if this comes off as like bitter or whatever but we I've said this before when when we people so many people gave me crap about that two is not soft and blah 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 and like I've defended him for like how good of a player is he's a phenomenal talent quarterback if you get into his head early if you get into the backfield early or you hit him early he does he's not one of those guys that's like you know <laughs> like picks up buckles his chin strap again and just dust that off. He, he doesn't react that well. But into his defense, so he throws the pick six right out the gates and Brent Venables mm-hmm. had a great call on to, to be able to confuse Tua. He did not read the coverage correctly. And that pick six is like a whoa moment. And then Tua, right. they, show, they show a shot of him and he's like, yo, that's on me, that's on me. And then yeah. the very next pass that he throws is the bomb to Jerry Judy and it's a touchdown Perfect. and it's like, let's go. This game is going yeah. to be awesome. And I thought that Tua did a lot of <laughs> things. That's how I felt. <laughs> I thought that Tua did a lot of things well though within the course of that that first quarter that we really thought he was going to be able to continue in the second game. And I want to bring this up because I think when he throws that second pick, what's overlooked maybe from that moment was that he, leading up to that that play, Bama had run run plays on 11 of 12 plays yep. leading up to it. And Tua yep. was not in rhythm, and he just wasn't used to having to make it, those throws in that moment, and it cost him. And I thought that that right there, from that point on, his confidence was rattled. He wasn't going to the outside and taking advantage of those matchups that we thought he would. He stayed really much, you know, with the exception of some of the underneath stuff that was, you know, within, you know, 5, 10 yards. He was really staying in the middle of the field, and he wasn't necessarily willing to take some of those outside shots. And Bama has not had that kind of Tua really all year with the exception of the Georgia game, and I thought that that hurt them at key points. Yeah, well, I mean, in the same way that most people coming into this game probably like overlooked, like, the, the I was talking to my buddy Bill about this, and I said, 
I thought you guys had a bad secondary and a bad offensive line. That's all I've heard from like that's like been the narrative. I feel like from the media, like you know, they like how are they going to stop Bama's defensive line? Kellen Mond threw for this, Jake Bentley threw for that. Going into this game, Clemson had only given up over 300 yards four times all season, four times, and you know they were a very very. I mean, think about that in terms of how, they won two games by 60 plus points. So in all that garbage time, you're still not giving up all these like you know junk yards and stuff like that. It was. It was. They were a lot more impressive. I think you definitely have to give them credit. But like Bama did everything they could to get in their own way to shoot themselves in the foot. And I remember I, I said at halftime because like there's a bunch of Bama fans like we'll be all right. And I was like, no, this this is that game was over in the second quarter because I, I looked at my buddy and I said, we haven't. You guys haven't even become efficient yet. You guys haven't even hit stride. Right. As like the Clemson fan, and and it's already this bad. Like. Bama, Bama was beat early, and it, then I think that they got they did panic. I've never seen that from Saban. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the the fake field goal in a bit because I really want to expand <laughs> on some of that and all the different things that that went into that decision. But you bring up a a key point with Clemson not necessarily even being in that good of a rhythm early, and how that was maybe a yeah. bad sign, and and what they did. Uh, at near the end of the second quarter, once they started to settle in, once Trevor Lawrence stopped overthrowing dudes that were, you know, going for That's two yard outs, I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, like, I looked at my buddy. I was like, "He's a nineteen year old freshman." And yeah. He was like, "Dude, he takes a minute to get in rhythm. Yep. Just trust me. I've watched it all year." And I was like, "Yeah, okay." And then, <laughs> that, but see, like, it's, and it wasn't just even on the offense. Like the like the inconsistent, like they were they were very inconsistent in I think committing to a game plan, committing to like. Like who you who's gonna get the touches at running back or who who they're gonna put the ball in the hands or whose hands are gonna get the ball in, but like on defense, man, third and fourteen, that you gotta get off the field. You have, you have Clemson backed up third and fourteen for that tripping call, and it's I think it's, at that point it's a tie game seven seven, and like only thirty seconds had gone off the clock. Oh, like where Quinn and Williams had got tripped. Years. Right, right. Yeah. So then the next play is third and fourteen. It's like an eighty yard pass. And then Etn goes in to score two or three plays later, or one or two plays later. Like it, it was, it was all night. They just, they just, they could, could not stop making mistakes. Clemson goes ten of fifteen on third downs in this game. Meanwhile, Bama was four of thirteen on third downs, and then three of six on fourth down. So if you do some math, four of six. Box score said three of six. Whatever. Well, I thought someone ESPN said four of six, and I, but like six, they went for fourth down six times yeah so that's 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 seven of 19 total in those key yeah. situations where if if you are pointing to that total yard stat you're probably you should probably also point to that stat of being seven yeah. of 19 in those key third or fourth down spots whereas clemson is converting two-thirds of them and that was a huge difference in this right. game and and that and goes we talked about the uh, i was gonna say that goes back to the quarterback position i mean that goes back to having someone like trevor lawrence who just did not look like a freshman from from those moments no. middle of the first quarter on he settles into this game and yeah i mean the the numbers were were good it's it's 347 passing yards and three touchdowns 63% accuracy people have done that before against bama yeah. i mean especially in the last 2 weeks jake fromm basically did that kyler murray basically did that but it was the moments in those key spots of third down, of what do we need right here? Oh, we're going to find Justin Ross on the sideline. We're going to put it in a perfect spot for him to be able to make a play, and he gets one foot, and he gets one foot in. And it's these these 
throws, these clutch throws that he just kept coming up with that Bama could not get to save its life. The, the, that yeah. one play that you were looking for, Bama could maybe get it on first down, maybe he could get it on second down too, and it gets this big chunk play. But when it really comes down to it and it's this defining moment, Clemson had the advantage pretty much every from from every instance after that, you know, back and forth start. Yeah. And so something I think that Bama fans don't really understand is when you have seven straight number one recruiting classes before last year, and then you have the number one recruiting class last year, um, something that's tough for some Bama fans to, to also realize is um, the people that are two, three, four, and five, the teams that are two, three, four, and five, they got a lot of good talented players too. They might not have had like, the number one recruiting class, but they, you know, they might have signed three five stars, and Justin Ross might have been the number one player in your state from Hoover, from Birmingham, and and being a five star receiver, catching passes from a five star quarterback. I mean, T. Higgins, Justin Ross, Mitch Hyatt, Trevor Lawrence, they're all five stars. That's a very talented football team, and so, you know, it's one thing to go, like have Trevor Lawrence be putting just <laughs> dropping dimes out there for most of the night, but then when you add on Justin Ross going up and making a ridiculous one handed catch on the sideline. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard to defend that kind of talent. Justin Ross was amazing. He was incredible. Unbelievable was game incredible. from him. I, I thought that we talked about this going in of, of who was going to be able to take advantage of the Bama secondary. And obviously I know a lot of that came on the play where Savion Smith goes down and, and he gets looks like what's, what's seriously yeah, injured and gets carted off the field. That's a brutal moment. And Trevor Lawrence recognized that he had that advantage and Justin Ross was wide open. That play... Wasn't the wasn't necessarily the backbreaker of the game, or uh, maybe not because I think yeah, it might have been the backbreaker, but it wasn't. Okay, it wasn't the determining factor in the game. That's that's what. No, I yeah, exactly. Say. It wasn't the determining factor. I mean, I, I fully believe that game was over in the second quarter, and it was because of Saban and the offense. I mean, it was it was terrible. So let's let, before we talk about your experience, your overall, you know, just your feeling of what you had from from being there and witnessing all this. We got to talk about this fake field goal attempt. This is one of, I, I, oh my God, go ahead. For those of you who did not see it, or maybe you were watching The Bachelor and doing some by flipping and you're like, what's everybody talking about with this fake field goal? So Bama's down 31 to 16 in the opening possession of the second, of the, of the second half. And Bama has what looks like a, a chip shot field goal on fourth and six. Keep in mind to that point, Bama has already missed an extra point and barely snuck in a field goal uh, earlier in the game, so obviously Saban did not feel good about the kicking game. Clemson, no, he quit on it. Yeah, he like that's he that's the it. problem. He quit on it. Yeah, and so obviously your your kicker is is rattled at, the, at that point. We can make all the jokes we want about Bama and not having a the ability to kick, which is baffling. But in that moment, it's fourth and six, and Clemson comes out just ready for the fake. I mean, seven Clemson he, defenders were off the line of scrimmage. Seven. And everybody and their mother was like, Clemson's ready for a fake. Clemson's ready for a fake. And there's this moment where they showed it on the replay where Mac Jones just kind of looks over to the sideline and shakes his head and is like, all right, let's do this. And I, I compare this to... I don't want to go back to school. All the other kids are mean to me. You just go out there. You just go out there. So this was like when a, a guy goes up to the prettiest girl at the bar. And he has that moment where he's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And he goes up to the girl and he, and he gets there and he's sitting there and he turns back to his table of buddies and he gives them a look like, yeah, I got this. That was Mac Jones in, in that moment. And 
the guy drops the cheesiest pickup line ever on the girl and it says something like, oh, did it hurt? And she's like, what do, what do you mean? She's like, oh, um, you know, I, I assumed it hurt because, you know, you fell from heaven because you're an angel or something like that. I don't think Mac Jones had, the conf- had that kind of confidence going into this play. I don't know. Maybe I, I think didn't. Dan Enos, I, I, it's inexplicable that this could have been, this could have actually been called and then followed through with on the field. And here's why. You missed the first field. I'm so... It's such a boring narrative at this point because, but it keeps happening with Bama kickers. So we don't, I don't want to get onto that again. I'm so over it. I'm so over not having a, it's an extra point. It's an extra point, but you miss a field goal. You miss the extra point or whatever. And it's, it's 16, 14 in the second quarter. You go for, you go for it on fourth down on your own side of the field. You remember this? Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He goes forward on you've, the you've own thirty-four. Given up on on field goal kicking and in special teams in general. You've and you've shown that. You've shown your hand. We are going to have to win by going for it on fourth down because our kicking game is obviously not good enough for us to win this game by playing it safe. And then a quarter and a half later, after showing the whole world that's what you were doing, because when's the last time you seen Saban go for it on fourth and something on his own forty-yard line in the second quarter of a football game? It's amazing. It's a very obvious statement you've already made. We are gonna. We cannot win this game with our special teams, and that's fine. You've made your decision. You cannot go back on that decision right afterwards, and try to execute one of the worst fake. That was fourth and eleven stuff. I mean, that was. It was awful. It was worse it, than it the was, Georgia was, fake punt. They were in. They were in defense safe, and again, you've already tipped your hand. You've showed everyone. Here are my cards. I'm not. This is. This is what I have, and it's like I'm gonna bluff. Watch this. Watch this. No, I know you have a three and an eight, Saban. Like it was. It was. Oh, man. It was like the pretty girl at the bar just looked at the guy and just rolled her eyes and just continued on her night. Like, she was just... Yeah. Like, really? Like, that's 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 what you're going to do? That was Clemson in that moment. And I, I didn't like what Saban said. I mean, Saban after admitted, you know, obviously it was a, it was a bad call in that spot. But he yeah. said that someone didn't block who they should have. That does not help. That's the, And Saban said that before he watched the film. But here's what happened on that play. Niles Pinckney was blocked by two Alabama offensive linemen, and he still had the presence of mind to simply get off the block and make the tackle. And if he didn't, if he didn't, don't worry, Clemson was still going to be able to snuff it out because Alabama sent its freshman kicker to try and block Christian Wilkins. Yeah. That was Mm -hmm. next up. So probably yep. a good thing that Pinkney got to him instead of Christian Wilkins because that could have the been a forced fumble. The call was bad, but the 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 actual design oh. of the play was even worse. I mean, it, it was that watching the watching the game was like remember that that video of the sportscasters like it gives it to the guy and shoots it and and boom goes the dynamite oh, yeah. and it just wouldn't stop and you're like no 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 you're not going to go back in surely you're not going to do this again. And then he's like, it was it was like watching a train wreck. Like, what? No, what are y'all doing? Stop! It in that moment, you know, we talk about this a lot. Where you know, we talked about this with Georgia too. If that comes out, it says to everybody in the building, we can't beat this team straight up. We are trying to get so cute, and that's not just and it's the, the same case. Down in the second quarter, said that probably, probably, but at the same time, I think at that point of the game, it's still. This is a high-scoring game. We don't have a lot of confidence in our defense. We expect this to be a shootout. So you can justify it that way, and it's it's fourth and one, and the odds are still in your favor. Your offense is still picking up chunks of yardage with the running game, and I think you could still justify it at that point. But saying in that moment, we are so desperate 
that this is what we're going to come up with. I've never seen a yeah. Saban coach team reek of that kind of desperation That's and admit, the best way to put it. admit defeat. And that was the tough thing. Right when they don't convert that, it's it's this is over. Because I think there are people like me who were kind of waiting for the comeback. And I, you know, they drive down the field yeah. on that first possession. And you said it was over in the second quarter, but I'm thinking to myself, it's still a two-possession deficit with 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 a generational quarterback. And yeah, Clemson's done some things really well on offense, but you trust Saban to be able to make some adjustments on defense, and you think Bama's still going to make yeah. this a down-to-the-wire game. And in that moment, you realize, no, it's it's not happening. It's not happening if this is the mindset because Saban realizes he's beat. Yeah, and it was re- that was really, I don't even, like, surreal to watch. It really, I mean, it really was. And, like, I, I've said all year that Clemson's a really good football team. I, I've, I've known, like, how good they are, I think. And how, I didn't think it was like, I didn't think the game would go like this by any means. But I, again, like you said, like you, they showed early that they, they knew they couldn't beat them straight up. And Dabo said after the game, he said, I thought going into this game, we had the better team. And usually yeah. you hear that kind of coach speak and you're like, yeah, what? Yeah. Like they were the better team. And like, you know, I get the Saban thing. It's inexplicable still. I don't get it. And there's a lot of mistakes. People have off nights. And I think, I mean, we can call it what it is. Bama got beat by a better team. I don't like the 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 absolute meltdown that ensued afterwards by people was. And now, granted, in the first and second quarter, I was not happy. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you just have to tip your cap, and, and it's a long trip home, man. It's a long trip home, but just shake their hand and move on from it. The the, the panic that ensued afterwards has been incredible to watch. One more thing on this, and then I want to get to your your live scene reaction, some of the, yeah. the things that you took in there. It was almost like Bama and Clemson showed up for a final exam, and Clemson was the student that just breezed through it, knew every question on the test, studied their tails off, and was like, yeah, this is this is easy. And Bama like gets in there like confident and feeling good, and then looks down and is like, oh my God, I didn't know we have to study this. I didn't know we have to study this. And then they're doing yeah. like little tricks where they drop the pencil and they try and look over at Clemson's paper and right. they're doing whatever they can. And they're like, all of a sudden, just just Are panicking. you cheating? Yeah. And, pa- and then Saban sends out our kicker to go pull the fire alarm right in the middle of the <laughs> test. Yeah. It, it was like it was like when watching, remember Hook when like, he, like Peter Pan is fighting Dustin Hoffman or whatever, like Captain Hook. Never saw Hook. And he comes back and he, you never saw Hook? Oh never my gosh. That's not as egregious like as Die It was hard. like when grown up Robin Williams was Peter Pan before he got like his little mojo back or whatever i mean yeah it was I, I haven't seen it before i don't i don't even know what to say still I'm, I'm still a little bit like in shock okay so you're being in the stadium for this and being around bama fans what was this atmosphere like from a confidence standpoint going in and where did you feel when did you feel like the 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 atmosphere had, had changed from this is anybody's game this is going to be awesome to Holy cow! This is just Clemson's demolition, and we're all witnesses to it. Um, I mean, the second quarter was like it, that's when I, I felt like that it was over. So the, the whole atmosphere it was it was an interesting setup. I was pretty frustrated because you know going into it, one of the things I said was um, I hope that like the the weather wasn't going to have like direct impact on the game with like the kicking game and like you know because it rained all the day before. And mm-hmm. That like I, in hindsight, I wish that did have an impact. So I did have something to blame it on instead of just having a 28 point loss. But it was, it was a weird, like for me, I never felt like all week, like that it was like super, like I'm ready to go. Like I am ready to go. It was having a national championship start 
at happy hour time was really it like really odd. Five o'clock local it, time for a national championship. Dude, like it was, and, and so, and the night before we went out, we went to this Clemson Legends dinner, and um, there was nobody downtown. It didn't, you didn't have the feel like you could like cut the tension with a knife, like you could just feel the energy, like or the buzz. You didn't really feel that until the day of the game, and like the day of the game was beautiful. The whole setup was was great outside of the Santa Clara. Um, they did a really good job putting on like that that part of it. Like the setup going into the week was, you know, we were staying in Oakland, which is forty six miles from the game. And that's where, like, the halftime show was, like, right outside of San Francisco. And then people are in Santa Clara. And then San Jose is where all the team and, and, and hotels, like, where most of the other, like, fans were staying. It was weird having to, like, scavenger hunt your way through this city to try and, like, take in the whole weekend. Um, and as far like, the day of the game, it was, it was kind of, like, subdued. It wasn't like – there was never a point where everyone was super amped up and ready to go. It was it, it was it was kind of odd. Um, granted, I might have been just where I was because I was in really good seats and it was all corporate people. But it was like, well, yes, I, I was very very fortunate. One of my friends, give her a shout out real quick, Maria Vitali. Um, yeah, we were like thirty yard line, like twenty five rows up at the club level. Your seats were amazing. Yeah, I they were, I didn't know that there was an actual club under the seats. They're like, make sure you go down there. I was like, yeah, okay, cool, whatever, man. And I kept going up back into like the main area with the riffraff and like waiting in line to go to the bathroom. He's like, dude, go down the steps. There's a private bathroom. There's a whole another world Dang. down there of like all these like bars and restaurants. And I was like, what? Like the so, Mercedes Benz uh, stadium that we. Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah. So it was, it was, and I'm not making excuses like, you know, like we just never got really ready. And this is why like the, the energy wasn't there. That was just my, my experience with it. It was. It was odd. Like it just didn't feel like, you know, that it was ever like the the Georgia game where you could feel the intensity. Right. You could right. feel how much it meant. Like, and the Clemson fans showed up in full force, and I was actually impressed with both both fan bases for traveling, because I posted a picture on SDS right before kickoff. I'm sitting in the national championship game. I'm watching my team play in their seventh national championship game in this decade. Sick and I don't know too. why I thought this would end a different way. But as soon as I posted the picture, 30 minutes before game time, it's like, looks like you should have brought some friends. Nobody even cares. Look at all these empty seats. And like, Pfft. And then they announced afterwards, it's like 75,000 people at the game. It was, I was really impressed with that. And Clemson fans were, I mean, they were in it from the beginning. They started an SEC chant at the end, which was pretty, pretty awesome. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just like from very early on, it, did, it didn't seem like when we, when it was 16 to 14 and he threw the second pick, you could see the entire sideline. And it was lifeless. Like it was completely lifeless. And it was it was like looking around, like who's gonna save us? No one, no one stepped up. There was no alpha. It felt like, and it it was a very deflated, weird feeling. It's like Bama just. It was like you woke him up from a nap, and it was like, oh, you got a game right now. Like Herm Edwards. <laughs> like, I mean, like it was it, it was it was just they did not ever seem like they were really into it. And it was you know what I don't think Bama wanted to be in this game. I think that's why they, they lost. They weren't motivated you know, I think playing this game. They weren't motivated. I think, honestly, I think they just wanted to be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> that's why they lost. It's not a big deal. So this game doesn't even count. Um, no, it just it was uh, very early in the second quarter because I think most Bama fans have, again, have this mentality like, yeah, this is what we always do. Like, we'll come back. No. That, it's hard to do that against a team that's as talented, or if not more talented than you. What's the feeling for a fan base when – it's one thing to lose in devastating fashion, and you know the Hunter Renfro pick pay, play, a legend. Thank God we didn't lose play. by him. 
He had two catches for 10 yards, by the way. Shut him down, bro. (laughs) Screw you, Hunter Renfro. It's one thing to lose that way. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, or like, you know, me being a Bears fan, my weekend of kicking did not go very well. Oh, God. Um, That was rough. Um, It's one thing to lose that way. But when you look around and you see a team just get destroyed, I had to imagine that, and even for people watching that have consumed college football for the last decade since Saban's yeah. been in Alabama, this was a new feeling. And that was the weirdest thing about this game is because you go back and early on you're like, all right, we're setting up for a classic. Even if Bama doesn't win this game, it's going to be a great down-to-the-wire game. And we're going to be talking about these two teams having yeah. just being so heads and shoulders above everyone. And then... You know, 40 minutes later, it's like, whoa. It's just Clemson is above everyone. And that's that's was, that's what it is. That's a tough reality pill to, to, to swallow. Yeah, and it was it was one of the more um, upsetting, like, like, not upsetting. It was one of the more, what's the best way to put it? Like, I, I, there deflating? Was, that deflating, but it was, like, like helpless. Like, there yeah. was no, it was one of the more helpless feelings ever because it's like, like, I remember, like, I've, I've been a Bama fan my whole life. I've watched I've watched this for 32 years. And I remember growing up in, like, you know, the 90s and ha- having Dubose in the four and seven years. I remember the last time they were beat by 28 or more points, and that was against Virginia Tech in the Music City Bowl in 98, before Trevor Lawrence was born, fun fact. So I, I remember going, I remember, so there was one time in, in 2003, Bama played Georgia in Athens, and Brody Crowell was a quarterback. He separated his right shoulder, or, and, or his left shoulder, and was out of the game. Spencer Pennington comes in as a backup quarterback. Thomas Davis hits him, separates his right shoulder. So both quarterbacks are out. They had to bring in a freshman. And since both of them had their shoulders <laughs> separated, they couldn't signal in the plays from the sideline. It, so you couldn't even get the plays into the field. So the freshman quarterback had to run all the way to the sideline, run back on. And it was, and, the, and this is like in the second quarter. And you're like, there's 30 more minutes of this that we have to watch. And it's not going to get any better. Oh, boy. Have you seen Bird Box? Remember when he held the people's eyes open? It. That's what it felt like the entire time. It was, I mean, it was really bizarre. I mean, you know, they, ugh, I don't think it's happening again. Bama fans got a taste of their own medicine. They got, I mean, go back to the twenty, the twenty twelve national championship, where Bama oh, beats Notre Dame in. Dude, and a Clemson fan told me that last night. He goes, "That's what it reminded me of," and I was like, "You're an idiot." But okay, yeah, he's like, "This is what that reminded me of," and I was like, "You're okay." It's <laughs> the same margin of victory. It's twenty eight <laughs> yeah. points. And everybody afterwards said, how dare people think that Notre Dame was, should have been on the same field as yeah. Alabama. And there's, there's a certain thing to be said for having that moment of, you know, obviously Bama deserved to be there. Nobody's, nobody's debating that, so I guess it's different from that standpoint. But just this feeling of getting totally dominated in every... In every facet of that game, Ooh, Bama was outcoached, outplayed. I mean, the discipline was much better on Clemson's side. Everything that Clemson could have done well to win that game, it, it did. And I, and I think that yeah. that's what you came away from that 2012 game thinking of like, all right, this team is way too complete to ever lose in this fashion. And Clemson has earned the right to be in that point where they just did something that nobody's ever done. Uh, but at the same time, Bama, that 2012 game was that was more, in my opinion, of like a physical dominance over. It was like, we are going to impose our will. And that game was over in the first half. And again, I think this game was, was over for me, like in the second quarter, but it was a 28, nothing in the first half. Like where it was like, there's no chance. There, there was nothing that Notre Dame had that was going to come back in that game. But this was like, a, watch kind of like an avalanche of just, you know, this snowball just keeps rolling, keeps rolling. And, and at no point were you able to like, you know, kind of, 
stop this this thing from getting out of control. It just got worse and worse. Before I throw some more fire taste at you, why don't you tell us about another source of fire, your best friend in 2019, Texas Pete. Texas Pete. Um, yeah, guys, I'm going to give a shout out to Texas Pete. Sometimes things hurt. You know what I mean? Sometimes you travel 2,600 miles to go see your favorite team, um, you know, lose a championship by over four touchdowns. And in that time of need, there's only one thing that can make you feel better. And that is tweeting at anyone and everyone irrationally and lashing out <laughs> at them or doing what I did. That and getting some Texas Pete. Went in and out last night. Guess who had a little Texas Pete with him? Did you trip. really? Oh my god! It's a small bottle. It was some, it was in the hotel. I took it. Whatever. Packing heat. Care. Yeah, I, mean, we, I thought we were gonna be tailgating. That's fine. So it's it's not like I hope that doesn't count in like room service. Regardless, um, <laughs> yeah, Texas Pete is makes Saturdays better. It makes all the tailgating better. All the food more delicious. All the pain go away. All the good stuff. Um, if, make sure you get over to TexasPete.com/tailgating. Check out some cool new recipes. Um, we even have some some drinks, some Bloody Mary and a margarita to help, um, you know, drown my sorrows. I'm going to be doing that. I'll probably just be double fisting both. It's going to be a long off season knowing that this was the the closing note. But I, I, I want to talk some big picture stuff here because a lot of narratives were formed and, and really cemented last night with how we're going to remember these two teams. And I want to do Clemson first because I think this is a discussion worth having. Clemson, I, I said going in that Clemson or Bama, whoever wins this game is going to be, should be remembered as one of the all-time great teams. Yeah. And I didn't want that to be a prisoner in the moment take, but we were talking about a team that was going to be 15-0 and for the first time since 1897 Penn. We all remember how big of a powerhouse the Quakers were back in the day. But they this, won their last game 4 to nothing. I mean, dominant. Do you see that stat? Shut out. So, God, I would have taken that over the beatdown we got. Whoever had the under on that day, shout out to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think Clemson is really worthy of being in this all-time great team discussion and what yeah. they did in 2018. So for those of you who heard, heard me say that and just said to yourself, oh, no way, come on, let's, that's prisoner in the moment, just consider some of this. So Clemson wins its last 10 games by at least 20 points. During that stretch, they win by an average of 36 points. Those were all the games that Trevor Lawrence... Team until, until the playoffs, by the way. Right, right, which is kind yeah. of amazing in itself. But, I thought that was going to be a factor. But you look at it, and it's, all right, you face two top three teams, and you beat them by a combined score of 74-19. to 19. And yep. Clemson's dominance, you know, if you want to really pick apart and say, oh, well, they barely beat Syracuse. You know, obviously Trevor Lawrence got injured in that game. Chase Bryce had to save him late. And Syracuse ends up being a top 15 team. But if you want to pick apart what they did against A&M and all that stuff, I would really chalk that up to just Clemson playing a quarterback rotation for the yeah. first month of the season, and it wasn't the team that we saw once Trevor Lawrence was entrenched as the starter, and right. Clemson took off after that. So Clemson has this final margin of victory by 31.1 points, average margin of victory per game, 15-0 and season. I'm curious to get your take where they compare to some of these all-time great teams. 1995 Nebraska. No. Nebraska's better. That, Nebraska's, that, that Nebraska's better. better, and they might be the only one better on this list. At least when no, when, when you blame when you look at these two points, just hear me out on this. So Nebraska that season had an average margin of victory of thirty eight point seven points, and then they beat you know Steve Spurrier's unbeaten Florida team by thirty eight points in the title game. Spurrier has the thing where he keeps touching his head, and that you know that prompts the visor stuff, whatever. 
2001 Miami. I know your initial reaction is there's no way. There's no Best way. Team of all time. There's no way. Best team of all time. I get it. They had an NFL team in college. I get that. Average margin of victory, 32.9 points. But they didn't play a single top three team the entire season. Right. Just saying. Clemson just beat two top three teams by 74 to 19, including the greatest coach of all time. Mm -hmm. 2004 USC. That's, of course, the kind of the, the peak of that dynasty with Matt Lyon at Reggie Bush, Lendell White, all those yeah. guys. They win each game by an average of 25.3 points. And they win their title game by 36 points against Oklahoma. So Clemson's got them beat in the average margin of victory. And the fact that they had to play some more games, that was maybe we remember that team Ooh. more so in like a you know a dynasty sense because that's what they were. And we're not really going to focus on them as an individual. So that's a little bit tougher. But worth, it, worth being in the discussion. 2005 Texas. Of course, Vince Young leads the, the, the Longhorns to the miraculous, thrilling championship victory. That's a little bit of the knock, actually, against Texas, that they didn't win a dominant national championship like Clemson did this year. They won each game by an average of 33.8 points. But like Clemson, they were number two throughout the entire season. And then you know Clemson ends up getting to this number one spot in the final eight people. 2009, Bama. Undefeated team, Saban had. Only undefeated team, Saban's had at that, Bama. This is the, this is the least of the... Yeah. Good takes. So, you know, I, I threw that in there just because if we're comparing undefeated. an undefeated team in the modern era, that's really difficult to do. But they only won each game by an average of 20.4 20, 20. points, and they had yeah. six wins by two scores or less. They which beat Tennessee by two points. Right. This one is, is more interesting than I, than I thought it would be, just from an average margin of victory standpoint. 2013 Florida State, they won each game by an average of 39.5 points. But... One of the most dominant teams ever. They only won by three in the title game against Auburn. Of course, that was they a also, great They played game. a very weak ACC that year. Yeah. This Clemson team, this 2018 Clemson team, belongs in that group. There's no doubt in my mind. No doubt whatsoever. And I think maybe it's tough because we viewed Clemson as the 1A to Alabama all year. And so yeah. it's tough to all of a sudden say, well, they weren't even the best team all season, and now we're going to say that they're one of the greats of all time. They are well, one of the greats were. of all time. They no were. doubt. See, this is this is where I, I have the I, I got so frustrated last night because I, I texted you during the game and I said at some point we have to give credit. Oh yeah. To like, like I'm this I don't I didn't make the pick before the the season because I was super confident that like this is exactly how this is gonna play out. I would have if you would have told me that somebody was gonna win by twenty eight points yesterday on that field, I, I would have put all my money on it being Bama. Mm -hmm. Like that was again that was really shocking. Who picked who picked Clemson to win the national championship? You did. At the of the year? You did. You deserve did. credit. Who picked who picked Clemson to win the game? You did. You hedged. And who and everyone everyone that like falls upon. I love you guys so much. But the hedging the hedging comments were in full force before the game. The Facebook live. I was like, guys. I like it was like somber. I was like, I I think Clemson's gonna win. Here's why. Went on the radio in New Orleans. Said the same thing. I was like, here's why. And everyone was like. You're just you're just nervous about the game. Bam's gonna win by thirty. And I was like, no, they're not. But not you did happen. say you did say when I asked. Is nearly a touchdown underdog? Oh. Is Clemson being nearly a touchdown underdog disrespectful? And you said no. It's yeah, not I was saying because of Vegas. Yeah, because it's it's for the betting public. I mean, I, I, Clemson won two games this year by sixty plus points, and, and then again the defensive yards that was incredible to look at. Like when you kind of break down those stats, because four games all year they had over they gave over three hundred yards, and one of them was like three hundred eleven total yards, three hundred twelve total yards, and then the other two of course were South Carolina and A and M. This is one of the most dominant teams. 
in the history of college football. I'd say at least top 10 team of all time, probably top five of all yep. time. And and when you look back on how this team is, they said it before the game, Trevor Lawrence is, like Todd McShay said, this series, you could potentially have the next three number one overall picks come from this game. With If Quinnen goes number one, like I don't think he will now, or and then Tua and then Trevor Lawrence. like, And then you look at the, all the talent they had on the D-line. This is that's a really, really good football team that dominated the whole year. And now, hear me out on this, I don't think people saw it because they were being overshadowed by Bama. Exactly. Which was amazing to see after the game how they were the same people to come around and be like, y'all been talking about Bama all year, but so have you. Yep, like, exactly. It, it, this, this, you know, that's what I got, I got so frustrated with because it's like, if acknowledge, I mean, like, you have to acknowledge, like, that that's a really good team. That Justin Ross is a five-star receiver – Probably gonna be probably gonna be in the league one day, and that's that's what I I think is worth mentioning with Clemson when you compare them to all those other all time great teams. Look at who they beat in the national championship. This was a Bama team that we were saying, you know, this is the greatest coach of all Two time. Two best teams with, I've ever seen Bama have. Yeah, with perhaps his greatest team. Yeah, go figure that Clemson beats beats both of them. And, both. And, and I think, you know, so let's let's talk to let's talk about 2018 Alabama because I think we will remember this as one of the great teams to not win a title. Uh, just what they did to get there, you know, the the dominance in the regular season, even though they did have their issues in the SEC championship. And obviously, you know, they weren't great down the stretch against Oklahoma. But I think this is going to kind of feel like that 95 Florida team where they dominate in the regular season and they just get the most humbling loss ever in the national championship where Florida yeah. loses to that Nebraska team. And you just feel like, holy cow, like nobody saw this coming. Not to this this extent. And I think that... For Bama fans, the tough thing to swallow in this is that you felt like, yeah, you had this, you had to replace your six top members of the secondary coming into this season, but you got Saban. You're going to be all right. There's no better coach when it comes to defensive backs, when it comes to defending the pass in the game than Saban. And yeah. Bama ends the season with the worst three-game defensive stretch in the Saban era. Yep. And Allowed. also, uh, that's I, I said that yesterday on the radio, on the uh, radio show in New Orleans. I said, like. When I'm, break, I'm looking at Clemson's defense, because all I've heard is they have a terrible offensive line, like you know, and their their secondary is terrible. The SEC, our buddy Peter Burns said it, the same thing. Our SEC quarterbacks have torched Clemson, blah blah. I said it too. And, I said it too. Yeah, I, and I remember, I remember telling like you know my buddies because I was hearing a bunch of Clemson fans, and I was like, I mean, Jake Bentley put up 500 yards, and he was like, yeah, it's a rivalry game, and just totally dismissed it. And I was like, that's kind of odd. Like, it, and it wasn't like making an excuse. It was just like, no, it's a rivalry game. Like, they came out firing. We had some lapses. And, yeah, I mean, like, th- th- those were outliers. Those were outliers in this game, or in their season. And, you know, when you look at the rest of their season, they dominated everyone. And, you know, so give them credit. Like, in the same way, I think Bama still still did the same thing for most of the year. Yeah. And I just, it's it was a very odd way to end the season. But I don't think it was necessarily one of those things where like they didn't deserve to be number one for most of the year. They right, didn't right. Deserve, like they got beat. Like they got beat in this game, and it's not one of those situations like where you think, well, you know, if we had to play them ten more times, I think we beat them nine times. No, I don't, I don't think that at all. I, they're they're the like who was it? Like I think it was Barrett Salee said it last night. He's like, these are two dynasties. Yeah, it's okay they're concurrent to have one dynasties. Good, really good team and one really good team. This this is what we have here. It doesn't mean that. One has been a paper champion the whole year, like, mm-hmm. or is like a fraud. I don't think that's the case at all. It just means like this; these are two dominant programs. I and think it was, 
Go ahead. Given the timeliness of it, we're going to, a lot of people want to look at this as a passing of the torch type game. This is dominance that we have not seen in this rivalry. And because, because of the fact that Sweeney is 18 years younger than, than Saban, we're going to talk about, oh, well, well Dabble's just going to take Saban's place and all of a sudden he's no. going to go on this path. That's just not the way these things usually work. Um, is as I, easy as the narrative as it is right now. But so a lot of people are going to want to say that this is a passing of the torch. I want to break down just some of the, because the, the concurrent dynasties thing I think is, is worth bringing up. And I think yeah. that this four-year stretch with these two programs I think we have to look at that that window and just chalk it up to one of the greatest things that we've seen in the history of the sport. Before we try and break down, the, you know, the future of what's going to become. Looking back on this, so Dabo wins two national championships. He's the only coach to ever beat Saban in a national championship. Saban is now six and two in those in title games, and Dabo has now won two of the last three, and it's a two and two split overall. Right. I broke down these numbers. I, I didn't know that they were going to be the same. But in the last four years, <clears throat> yeah, you didn't know this. Bama and Clemson both fifty-five and four. Yeah, senior both, classes. Both thirty and two in conference play, and they each have two titles, and that's extremely rare. And I, I was chalking it up to before. I tweeted this out briefly, and then I deleted it. And I hate to keep bringing up, you know, like Spurrier Florida teams, but it's kind of like the the run that that Florida had from 94 to 97 in comparing it to, to Nebraska. But those teams only played each other once. These teams, Bam and Clemson, obviously played or each Florida other every State. single year. But just like that kind of four-year stretch here where we're not used to seeing this in college football. We're used to seeing one team just be that, that dominant force. And right now, Clemson looks, because it has the most recent win and because it was so convincing, it looks like Clemson has passed Bama up. But I'm not willing to like go out to that level yeah. yet. Well, and, and, and like at the same time, when you say like what what always happens with this, and 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 we do it like I I'm guilty of like I will say UCF is not as good of a program or football team as these two teams, and their 25 and 0 record isn't as impressive as some other teams like throughout the country. This right here, like like I, I think we just have a tendency, for lack of better words, I brought it before, we just have a tendency to hate on stuff. Like there has to be True. a good guy, has to be a bad guy. Yep. So if Bama is fifty-five and four over this, you know, four-year stretch, it's because they have the best coach in the like that I see is the best coach of all time. But it's because that's what they always do. They, they, it doesn't matter how many you know first rounders they lose and all this other stuff. This is what they always do. Well, also Clemson's fifty-five and four. That's because they play in the ACC. Yeah, it's not. Like it's it's always they, they it's always an excuse if somebody else is doing it. It's like it, it, that's a dominant program. That's a nationally dominant program. One of my buddies said it last night. He's like. This we're now a dynasty, and I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "You have no idea how how like frustrating is that to constantly hear from Bama fans, because especially with Bama fans and the whole Dabo going to uh, to Bama like talk, like they just assume in the same way they assume that they would just come back and win that game because they've seen it so many times. Anybody's assuming Dabo's going to leave Clemson and what he's built there on his own to go to Tuscaloosa and deal with that like that crowd, you're wrong." He, the know, only way that happens is if Dabo has like six titles already at Clemson and he's bored. That's the only way. And it's a project that, that he has yeah. to fix. Like, mm -hmm. think about that, Bama fans. I mean, like, what he what he has is at Clemson is he built it. He was a receivers coach, dude. He was a receivers coach that they they named interim head coach ten years ago. I, I didn't think he would ever be this dominant. Anybody that says heck and bring your own guts, I mean, that's not for me. But like, that's it's still like you can't just because one team does it. Or like, if two teams do the, do that, you can't just make an excuse for why. Well, this one's not as good. No, it's as good, maybe better, and it's cool that we get to watch it. 
Debo is already an all-time great. And if you yeah. kind of, if you, the weird thing for me to think about is that, so Dabo's 49. When Saban was 49, he was in year one at LSU back in 2000. Yeah, that's the process that that, that is, he is unreal. So Dabo, like, we, we look at this trajectory right now, and could Dabo win four titles in the next 18 years with yes. what he's built at Clemson? Absolutely. Absolutely. Urban Meyer had won two titles when, by the time he was 44. He won his third title when he was 50. I'm saying Same. that Urban's in a different. Urban was in a different situation than Dabo just because of the way things ended at Florida. All the lies. Yeah, that, that probably didn't help him necessarily. But I think that we're we're seeing this. And so I, while I don't necessarily think that this is a passing of the torch thing, I think yeah. we are just seeing one of the all-time great coaches really come into form right now, and that yeah. in itself is is okay. And it doesn't mean that he's necessarily like all of a sudden he's a better coach than Saban, but. Will he be able to accomplish what Saban has? I think right now what we saw last night changes the belief that nobody will ever reach Saban's level. And I think Dabo well, is, is set did, in motion. In, in a much shorter amount. I mean, like I get the age thing, but like what Saban has won in this decade. Exactly. That exactly. stretch of dominance I don't think will ever happen again because um, there's so much parity. But, but I, I told my, my Clemson buddies this. Like, think about how, how short of time ago it was like, where Clemsoning was a thing. Yeah, remember yeah, that? that? Like, everyone's oh, Clemson's going to Clemson. Like, that wasn't that long. That was probably five, six years ago. And you think about... Less, less. 2013. It was I'm like four years ago. It was four years ago. No, when it, was, they go- it, was, it was more than that because four years ago they were... They were well, no, four years ago, the, the Dabo had... I remember during the 2015 season when they're going on this run and everybody, the whole narrative was, when is Clemson going to... When is Clemsoning going to happen? And then he's like, right. no, it's not going to happen. And that was a big thing, a thing when anymore. they... Yeah, it's 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 totally totally like, in the past, and he's gotten over you it think that about quickly. Now, especially like I've I've watched like I never liked Florida State in the '90s because I thought the ACC was pretty weak, and that was probably you know being biased all kind of stuff. But it just they were in the top five for 14 straight years. So I'll like, you're in that conference. That is your alpha in that conference, and that they they Florida State was more dominant during that stretch in the ACC than Bama has been in the SEC over like. Over the their last twenty five years, over the history, any of that, like so, when you have to replace that guy, you got to knock that guy off, off like the top, to do it, like where Florida State. I understand they haven't been as good recently. Florida State's almost irrelevant compared to this team. It's it's like you scoff at the idea of Florida State being able to beat Clemson or even hang with Clemson and have the same kind of talent. He has completely transformed the team. Think about twenty thirteen and and that game in, in Death Valley when it was three versus five. Jameis Winston going up there, and you like they, it was the Saturday night game of the week, and you saw the, the buses rolling around Death Valley, coming out on the top of the hill and running down the hill. The most exciting seconds of thirty, most exciting thirty seconds of football. It was awesome, and then they won fifty-one to fourteen. Yeah, Florida State just steamrolled them. It like that was five years ago, and now it's like an afterthought that anybody else in that conference can compete with Clemson, and it's not going away at it's- all. It's not going away, but I will say that I felt like 2018 was the perfect combination for a super team, and that's that's really what this Clemson team was. I, I after the the opener that we see Alabama play, it's like all right, you know, we go back to the Trent Dilfer comments. Bama is going to be the super team; they're going to win every game, 51 to 14. But Clemson was this super team, and I don't know if this is getting to this level is going to be sustainable, just for the simple fact that it's super rare to have two guys like Wilkins and Farrell come back. 
And to have that kind of senior talent on your defensive line in this day and age of where there are more early draft entries than ever, and having that combination with this unbelievable talent at quarterback and all of these pieces that you have offensively, to me, that that combination of everything... It's that that part's not going away. But what I will say is that having those two guys up front, having guys that are willing to return for their senior years is an extremely rare thing. And I think getting to this level, I'd be surprised if Clemson in the next couple years had a team that was quite like this 2018 squad. But can they still compete for national championships? Obviously, 100 percent. But this team might have been. We might look back on this team five, six years from now and just be like, holy cow, This everything just came together perfectly for Clemson right. to have this kind of year. Yeah, and, and I, I, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think it's one of those things, too, where, again, you could recognize both. You could just yeah, recognize exactly. both of our good teams. And, and I'm, not, I'm not excusing, like, don't forget about Bama. Bama had a great season. No, just statistically, they, they were – I mean, there's the only two teams in the country all season that, that had a uh, – what do you call it? The margin of victory over 30 points per game. Only two in the country. Yeah. I mean, Clemson had the number one scoring defense in the country. Like First, and, first again, time since 2005 that they had the number one most efficient defense against the number one most efficient offense playing in the national championship. Yeah. Yeah, and by the way, Clemson, it's like, it was the one thing that was like, people people start talking about the dynasty and become the prisoner of the moment, the dynasty's dead and all that kind of stuff. I, this, my least favorite day in sports is the day after college football's over because, one, it's over, and then also you have to turn on Sportsner's like, does Clemson win the national title next year? Like, let's just pump the brakes. I know, right? Like, that that drives me nuts. But, you know, it's so easy to fire off, like, these takes of the dynasty's dead and this is over. Like, like I get the passing the torch comment. It's it's a natural, I guess, reaction that we do in sports in general. But I've said for the past two years to Georgia fans and, and anyone that, like, will listen I don't think the dynasty's dead. It's this still one of the most dominant stretches in the history of the program. But, you know, and, and again, to his credit, they replaced 17 starters that left. They replaced their offensive coordinator, their defensive coordinator, 12 NFL draft picks, um, three other assistants that left all within the year. There's all uh, the six people in the secondary. I mean, think about how good that D-line was this year in Quinn Williams, and think about who they lost from the year before with Deron Payne. It's, so it's hard to keep doing that. I've said this before. I don't think the dynasty is over, but this stretch of dominance where you're winning multiple national titles in a short window of time, I think that's over for Bama. And it doesn't mean they won't still be one of the top teams in the country, but when you look at what Jimbo's building out in in College Station and what he is going to have to compete with there and what Kirby's building in Athens and what Dabo has here, and it's, yeah, there's a lot more parity. There's other good teams. I've got two more questions for you on this game. One is two guys that are going to be back next year, Tua and Trevor Lawrence, obviously. Let's say that you could just draft one of them to have on your 2019 team. I'm not talking about 2020. I'm just talking about for next season. In college football? In college football. Who do you? There's who are you taking? college football, Connor. Good point, good point. Who are you taking right now, Tua or Trevor Lawrence? Just does the talent around them matter? I'm taking – I mean, I'm – you're building a football team around them, and you're saying I don't want to I, sound like prisoner of the moment because so I'm trying to think this one through. But like I okay, say, so here's here's the the upsetting feeling last night was I know all the things I just said about Bama. Like I don't think they're going away, but it feels really bad when you go put on all your makeup and get all dolled up to go out and impress everyone and look pretty, and then someone comes in that's younger and prettier than you. Like that. That's, yep. That's Tua had one of the best seasons of all time, and then a freshman beat him by four touchdowns. 
Saban is one of the most dominant coaches of all time, and Dabo's only 49. What? Like, what? Like, there's just, you, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. Between those two, I, it's hard not to say Trevor Lawrence, and I, really, I almost don't want to just because I love what he's been able to do all year, but I've said all year he's soft, and I don't think Trevor Lawrence is. And I, I didn't want to see anybody say that, oh, you know, he's, he's a true freshman. He just doesn't even know any better. No. He's the former oh, yeah. number one overall recruit. He's been a four-year starter at high school. The guy has had pressure on him from the moment he's, he, he took a snap as a true freshman yeah. playing in, in high school. I don't buy the belief that he doesn't know any better. He just handles it better. I mean, there's, there's a difference has, between those has, two things. Like, he has better physical tools than Tua, for sure. Like, he, I mean, and that, that's not a slight at Tua. Trevor Lawrence has... I've, he threw a football 61 miles an hour, Connor. Not enough was made about that. That was three miles an hour faster than half the NFL quarterbacks this season. Andrew Luck, Jameis Winston, all of them. One last I, question. What? What does this mean for the SEC? You got, what? Yeah, you know what? Like they got, they got put in check. SEC goes 6-6 six and six in bowl season. Um, don't win the national championship. The SEC has only won two of the last six national championships. Oh, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there because this is what people are going to be talking about for the foreseeable future. Um, Clemson finishes the year three and zero against SEC teams. They scored an average of forty three points per game. Nobody's doubting Clemson's credentials whatsoever, and it's worth probably mentioning that yes, while the SEC did not have the bowl season that many thought that they could, they were favored to win nine of eleven games. They still end up with the most teams in the AP top twenty five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they still the end way, up with six. How did the AP poll come out last night after the game? It didn't. Like, all season, it comes out at two o'clock the next day. We have to wait for all these votes to come in. And all, like, I think it came out today, night. didn't it? It came out. No, this it came morning. out last night. I, I'm I sure you were. I, I went to bed at like three o'clock this time, and I don't know what time. It's like I woke up at four hours later. Yeah, whatever. So it's salty. Um, I don't know necessarily that it means that the ICC is all of a sudden just like going to be going through this. This questionable phase because I think I still think the SEC had a really good year. I think it was the best conference in college football yeah. this year. Still ends up with the most AP top twenty-five teams. The Big Twelve uh, only had three. The Pac-12 only had two. The ACC only had two as well. Clemson being one of them. And then the Big Ten had five teams in the top twenty-five. But people are going to look at this and say, "See, I told you so about the SEC." And oh, the fact that only no. two of the last six national championships. But it still doesn't change this belief that year in, year out, the SEC is still in better position to field a national champion and to that's field... That's the thing. Yeah, and that's... That, that's that, that got chipped away a little bit last night, thanks to my team. That's Sorry, guys. Sorry for the rest of the conference. But, like, no, like, when you when you look at this, and, and this is a big problem people have with a lot of a lot of fans, like, a lot of national fans have with the SEC, is that they think they ride Bama's coattails and they, right. like, you know, beat their chest, but they're the best. And, like, I, I don't... It's weird when people say that because, like, I'm around it every day. And then, as I saw last night, there weren't a lot of Alabama fans outside of Alabama. There was a, there was a lot of Clemson fans from Starkville and Athens and Knoxville, and that that was that was incredible to see. But it's when you go through a season like this and you have the Heisman runner-up, you have nine of the fifteen individual awards in college football were won by SEC players. I mean. And it's it, when you stop to look at when you start stop looking at just Bama and look at the SEC as a whole. I understand how bowl season worked out. I, I thought I've always thought bowl season's kind of overrated, but like when you look at the SEC as a SEC as a whole, it was one of the more dominant years I think for a conference ever. Look at look at what Florida did. 
I mean, you, Florida, Georgia, and Kentucky from the East, which is always supposed to be like the weak division, they're all top 15, maybe top 12 teams. Oh, wait, we Flo- don't have the rankings. They're Florida and Georgia teams. finished at number, they tied at number seven. How in the world that, does that happen? I have no idea. I, I don't know. But, like, that's weird. I, but they, as, a, as the conference as a whole, you look at, again, like, look at what Josh Allen did at Kentucky. Look at what Coach O was able to do at LSU. Look at what Jimbo, again, is building at College Station. And I'm not trying to leave people out. Um, you know, like, like Florida, with Dan Mullen, Kirby, Kirby, like, they're, they are a staying power. I, I don't, I think it chipped away at, like, everyone always assumes that the SEC should definitely be in. I think, like, you know, I, th- I don't, I can't see a playoff where SEC's not in because it's a better brand of football and they are going to have one of the best four teams in the country, in my opinion. But, you know, the whole beating your chest, sorry, Georgia fans, like, after the SEC championship game about how they were one of the best teams to get in, maybe, Maybe they weren't. Maybe and Bama wasn't as great as we thought. I'd... So people, um, the SEC championship, the game that many were talking about, oh, this felt like the best two teams in the country. Those two teams watched their season end uh, in very crushing fashion, losing convincingly. I know that that was yeah. still a seven-point loss to Texas, technically, but Georgia scored late, and Texas dominated that game from start to finish. You can't tell me otherwise. Cool. No, and that's the tough thing. And that's the tough thing, is that your two best teams that you threw out there ended up having a very tough end to the season. That's what people are. The haters, that's what they are going to continue to say. But it still doesn't change the fact that the SEC still had the most top 25 teams. still doesn't change the fact yeah, that the SEC had the most to top bottom. 10 teams. All that, yeah. Top, I mean, like, it's, it's not even in question. I, it was, I thought it was more dominant than it had been in recent years. And, Let's, you know, wait till the draft comes out, man. <laughs> wait till the draft starts again. I, and I think the Georgia thing, I, I, what I should have said was about getting to the playoffs and how they deserve to be in it, I still say Georgia's better than Notre Dame. I, I think that Georgia could beat Oklahoma, um, I think, because that defensive line did have its issues at, at times for Georgia. But I'm, I'm – they might – they – and then the SEC got beat. The, the top team in the SEC got beat this year. Let's like close this 2018 season with one last, it might mean too much, for this year. Of Is course, it, we're still a dude. you saying that much. I was right? No, no, of course not. close it with that? I did, I did admit that, that you were right. Year, Clemson was going to be the national champion. You said that. Technically, you said that. Thank it you. might mean too Texas much. Is, back. is this woman who ran onto the field uh, and literally had to be carried off by each arm and leg during the game yeah. last night? She yeah, had like she this was... white sign. What What was this woman trying to do? I didn't know she even ran on the field, but I was impressed with how she was able to anchor herself down like that. I'm gonna start doing that when people try to kick me out of restaurants and bars. I just saw the video of Marty Smith uh, that Marty Smith tweeted out where he um, had the. the up close angle of this woman being carried off by like three police officers and then some sort of Clemson staffer or something like that. But yeah. all f- like each arm and each leg, if that's the way that you're carried off, why couldn't they just like throw this girl on her shoulder on one of their shoulders? I I don't know. Yeah, that, that was weird. I that's, was really impressed with her core strength. It was. Yeah, definitely a good cool. core workout when she's being carried off. But yeah, running out on the field during the national championship, maybe not the best idea. We've got two five star reviews. Oh, do we? Nice. We've got two. Uh, this first one is from. M1983 CPA, subject line, might be the cheap vodka talking. As a downtrodden and defeated Michigan fan, I enjoy listening to the podcast and learning about great teams not named Ohio State. Uh, I also have decided to root for Gus and Auburn because I'm uh, going through a separation, but at least I have Chris and Connor, and that's all that matters. Connor, why won't you return my calls? I've never gotten any calls from this person, um, but 
DM yes. me. DM me, email me, whatever. We, we can chat sometime. Like, I'm always, always that available was like, to do that. That seems like a really nice five-star review, but they teetered back and forth of being like, is he creepy or is it funny? I, don't, I think it's funny. I think it's funny. We'll take it. Yeah. All right. This last one is from a few dollars. Uh, subject line, why I'm back. I started listening to you both in 2017. Uh, I listened as long as I could, but the laugh that Chris has drove me freaking nuts. Fun little side story. You weren't on this podcast in 2017, but whatever. No. Um, so I had to step back. I started back in August um, of 2018 because you guys talk about what I'm addicted to, which is college football. I must say I've really enjoyed you both this year. Chris has matured a great deal since last year. Good for you. Um, so I'll never leave you again. Thank you, Chris and Connor. And Chris, if you must laugh, do it in the Coach O voice. Just kidding. All right, man, my fault. <laughs> no, that's, uh, yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. That was, that was a fun fun season. I'm dying inside now. But Football season is technically over. We're going to have <sighs> some, some recap stuff, though. We're going to do some year-end, looking back on the year that was in college football. Uh, I think we're going to come back on Thursday. That's the, the tentative plan this week. You have a long, long flight home, don't you? Dude, this, yes. But it was incredible. I think I think I have a lot to talk about it since it didn't happen. I'm just going to – I can I can speak, speak about it now Do why it. I came out here. Um, so the reason why all this happened – and that I we joke around, like we've said it before, like a couple of my buddies, like 2018 is a year Marler. I'm going to get – I'm not going to get emotional and sappy, but I'm going to give one more shout-out and say thank you to you guys because it really was – the best year of my life, and I didn't want it to end because I came out here. I got a phone call Friday night. My friend that was the Maria Vitale, the producer of the halftime show, and she was like, "Hey, our host canceled because they do a, a pre-taping on the day before, just in case something goes crazy, like the weather, technical difficulties. So they have one, like you know, just in case. And it's kind of like a run-through, but it's a concert with the same performance that you saw on the halftime show, which was really good, by the way. I don't care what anybody said. I, I know we kind of give the, like, them a hard time, like the band, or whatever, but." That was a, I thought it was a really good halftime show. Regardless, I got a phone call Friday night saying, we need you to come out to, to San Francisco tomorrow, or on Sunday, and host the concert. And I was like, what? Because first off, she said, I need you to help out with the event. And I was like, uh, what? And then five minutes later, I have an email with my flight number, and like I'm, I'm flying out Sunday morning at 6 a.m. And I was like, what in the world is happening? And I was, supposed, I was scheduled to host the halftime show pre-taping concert, with Imagine Dragons, Lil Wayne, I was really excited. I was really, really excited. I spent a lot of time writing puns about Imagine Dragons. <laughs> um, so it was a really cool thing, and, and uh, was, that's why I got to come out here. And then, of course, as I, we had two weather delays, and as we're circling Oakland because we couldn't land because of how bad the weather was, it rained for 13 straight hours, and there was like 30-mile-an-hour winds. And I, we found out when I was in Oakland they had canceled the whole concert. I had been up since 3.45 traveling in the morning to get out there, and I was pretty bummed, but I got to come out to the game for free um, and go to it. And it was, it was an awesome, awesome time, no matter what the outcome was. You knew so, that it wasn't going to be your weekend when the concert got canceled. That was probably the first. I Dude, it was, I was so upset. I was like, oh, no. It's like, you know what? It, I, I said this last night. There's like 2013 Chris. Con 2013 Chris would have probably really shut down mode. And like, well, that's how the whole year is going to be. It's been, uh, it was fun to even, even in the loss, like, it was fun to celebrate with something like this, Clemson fans and, and all that good stuff. Not Danny Cannell, he really, whew, that's a story for another time. Another story for another time. Um, yeah, thanks again, guys. Y'all have been great. Yeah, thank uh, you for, for finally saying that I was right. 
That's, you that's were right. You were right. Everybody, uh, thank you so much for following along this season. We're going to continue to have podcasts because that's that's what we do. I don't know what our schedule is going to be in the meantime if we're going to go back to one day a week for a little bit. I'm not sure what we're going to do, but we're still going to have plenty of content. Make sure, this speaking of content. It's going to be fun stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to do some different stuff. stuff. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Um, make sure that you are reading all of our national championship content um, over at SaturdayNonSouth.com. Make sure that you are following us on all forms of social media. Um, follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod, at C SDS, at CJ O'Gara. House football is over. But one more time, what do we need to remember, Coach Joe? They might mean too much. Talk to you Thursday, I think. Thanks, guys.